So, right. Okay, today I'm going to speak about um, stopping the torture that's in your heart. You know, so many times we are tortured by ourselves, you know, by what we believe about ourselves. And uh, yesterday I put something on the web and, and I said, I think the, the greatest torture or the, the greatest violence you can ever expose yourself to is by standing under the message of legalism, wherein you judge yourself by what you possess and what you do. It is not just, um, it will not just uh, uh, cause a lot of uh, negative fruit in your life, but it will just cause such an inner condemnation and an inner guilt that you will never be able to have true peace in your life. And uh, today is going to be about how to get iniquity out of your heart. And like you guys know what I preach, you know, I just preach the message of grace. So this is not going to be uh, a message that makes it difficult for you. It's going to be easy. Let us first talk about the heart. What is the heart? Proverbs 4 from verse 20 uh, reads like this. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it issues your life. Put away from you a fraud mouth and perverse lips, put far from you. Um, and then I want to read Romans 10 verse 10. It says, For with a heart a man believes unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when we talk about the heart here, we see the heart is that with which we believe unto righteousness. Um, the best way I can describe the heart is like one of my friends shared with me. He said, it is the operating system by which you run. You know, you can either have, you know, an Android phone these days or you can have an iOS Apple phone. Apple and the iPhone and the Android phone or Samsung or whatever, both can make a call. Both of them can go on the internet. Both of them you can do your notes on and uh, take a picture and email it. But there's a very big difference between these phones and this is where the whole difference comes in. The ones, both of them, has got completely different operating systems. The one is Android and the one is Apple. They don't even understand each other. They cannot even talk the same language. It's got a completely different operating system. It is programmed completely differently. It's a completely different logic that produces the fruit. And that operating system is what we can call the heart of that phone. Should that operating system get a virus in it, you can increase the power of the CPU and put more RAM into it, but it will just run slower and slower and slower. Because there's a virus in the operating system and it cannot operate as what it is supposed to operate. So what, what I'm trying to say is that the heart of man is how you are programmed in your belief. What you believe about yourself and what you believe about God. And should there be wrong programming in your heart, 
your life will show the virus. And what will be a very bad scenario is if one of the things you believe is that your righteousness or your holiness, um, your stand for God, how you stand before God, is determined by how holy you live. That will make the whole thing even worse because you believe that you are what you do, which is a wrong programming. And because of the wrong programming, you see the manifestation of that wrong programming in your life in the form of sins. And then the sins confirm your belief. And it's this vicious cycle wherein you torture yourself all day long. One of the most foreign concepts known to man is the concept where we tell people that if you take away all rules and bring in perfect love, that perfect holiness will manifest. We cannot believe it. It's like, how can that be? Because people will do whatever they want if you take away rules. You must have all these rules. You must have all these principles by which people live. It's unimaginable for us to think if we take away the rule of sowing and reaping or the rule of tithing that, and just love people, that people will become givers. It is like, no way. You must bring a rule. You know, and by that rule, people, and if we can tell them to keep to that rule and bring enough fear, if they should not keep the rule, then the people will stick to the rule. And then we can have a good life on this earth. Now, that would be wrong programming. That would be completely wrong programming. I want us to go and have a look at the fall of Satan and what happened in the heart of Satan. Now, just before we get that, let me just go through Proverbs here again. It says here, um, it says, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes, keep them in the heart of your heart. That's what it actually says. In, in normal language, what he would say is, is, My son, listen to what I've got to say. Now, let's see this as God, not just the writer of the proverb writing to his child, but let's see it as God speaking to us, saying to us, My child, Listen to my logic. That's the word word. Listen to my logic. What is God's logic? God's logic is, if I have the only life there is, and this life is put in you by me, and I live in you, then you will share in my quality of life. <laughs> I mean, that is God's logic. It's logic to God. To God, it's very logic logical um, if he represents the whole human race in one man, Jesus Christ, and that man is seated in the Trinity, that you are co-seated with him. That's God's logic. That's it. Now the word word, in the, if we... Um, I forgot the English word now for that, for that uh, 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 old scriptures. Um, but it's, you know, we, we get the Masoretic text from where our Bible is translated. But there was another text as well, which was translated, um, uh, you know, w which was actually the Greek Old Testament, which Paul read. Uh, Paul read a Greek Bible or a Greek Old Testament, not a Hebrew Old Testament. I don't say that he never read Hebrew, um, but 
all the quotes, most of the quotes he, 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 he has comes from that Bible. And our Bible is not translated from that original text. It's, we, our Bible is translated from Hebrew into uh, English or the old Afrikaans or whatever. But the one Paul used was translated from, uh, from Hebrew into Greek by 70 rabbis. And those rabbis um, were put in different places where they could not have contact with each other. And then they translated... Um, I think it's Septuagint is, the, is what you call it. I don't know what, yeah, but it's known, yeah, in English obviously. Okay, well anyway, so they translated this, and after they translated this, they came together and put their scriptures together, and then everyone used exactly the same words in the same order. Now, how is that possible? It's almost impossible. How can 70 people in different places translate a scripture and put it into exactly the same Greek words and that's one of the things they say when Paul wrote to Timothy where he says all scripture is inspired because it's only un under inspiration that you could translate like that also I, I also believe that the, the Hebrew scriptures obviously is inspired by God um, now why did I say that I can't remember now my goodness <laughs> well anyway yes this is what, what I want to say. When Paul comes, or when Paul read that Old Testament, one of the, the, I mean, he read the Greek word for the word word. So if Paul would have read, my son, incline your ear unto my sayings, or let my word not depart from your, from your eyes, he heard the word logos. He says, my son, don't let the logos The logos is the Greek word for the word word, where the Bible says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So, when we read that, he says, don't let God's logic depart from your eyes. God's logic says the following, you are dust, and by yourself, you can do nothing. And I want to share my life with this dust. So that this dust can feel how it feels to have my life. And I give it to them for free. And since I possess the only life there is, the only way they can ever have life is if I give it to them freely. That's God's logic. Our logic, or human logic is, this dust will work certain principles, ons al sekere wette gehoorzaam en sekere beginsels navolg, and then we will have God's life by doing these principles. That's human logic. Now what, what he was saying is, is, my son, let my logic never go out of your eyes. Put it in the heart of your heart. Now what it means is, let it be the foundation from where you form your belief about yourself and about others. And then it goes on, he says, for my words are life to those that find them. Now, I never understood that found until last night, when I just went through this again. The way, or, I mean, in the week, I was writing in my book, and I, I did a new chapter there, and I, I studied the word find there. The word find there, what it means is to experience. The only way you can find the word of God is in your life. 
And the only way you can, I mean, how do you find it? How do you experience it as life-giving? Only by one way. Is when you can have a belief based on what God believes. Now, this is the question, you know, um, even some of the visitors that are here. This is the question. What would God believe? What does God believe about the sin of the whole world? He believes it has been paid. God believes that the sin of the whole world was taken away. Even in Matthew 5, when it was a John 5, when they lowered the guy through the roof and they put him in front of Jesus... And Jesus saw the faith of the people putting uh, uh, this guy down. And he saw, well, these people are believing in me. I see they trust me. So let me, while I have their trust, impact them with a truth that can change them forever. And this is what he said. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. The word man there in the Greek is the word mankind. The translators was too afraid to translate the word because they would, people would say it is heresy. He said, listen, while I see I've got your attention, while I see you trust me, let me preach something that can impact your life forever. Mankind, your sins are forgiven you. You cannot say the sins of mankind's forgiven. Only God can forgive sins. Then Jesus said, to prove to you that mankind's sin is forgiven, I'll tell him to walk. And he walked, took up his bed and went home. Glory to God, bringing the gospel, the good news to the world. Amen. That is what God believes. So, we must realize, and guys, we cannot fool around with this. What is in our hearts, what is, your heart is the very force from where your life springs forth. This is what it says here. It says, for out of it are the issues of life. The word issues there in Hebrew means from your heart flows the force that drives your life. And then it says, protect your heart above all things that must be protected. That means you protect, as a husband, I, I'm supposed to protect my heart more than what I would protect my wife. Or my children. Or you guys. Protect what you believe. So, number one. Hear what God believes about you. And let his belief and what he says about you form your belief. Let us simplify it even more. What is God's word? Maybe you don't know how to interpret the Bible. Bertie, I don't know how to interpret the Bible. You know, you just quoted Greek and, and Hebrew and you just spoke about the uh, Septuagint and you spoke about this. I don't know these things. You don't have to know these things. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And the best interpretation of Scripture is Jesus in human flesh. Amen. That is the correct interpretation of every verse, is Jesus. Glory to God. How did He deal with a woman that was caught in the act of adultery long before she confessed her sins? He saved her. Long before she confessed her sins, she saved her. He saved her from the accusers that wanted to kill her. Without her even asking for it. Glory to God. You know the word innocence in the Greek means the following. It means, the best way to describe it, I, I, I think it's Webster's described like this. It's the state in which medicine that can only heal 
with no side effect, finds itself in. Let me say it again. It's the state that medicine that can only heal and have no side effects are in. So it's in the state where you are in absentia of harm. You cannot harm anybody or anything. That is the word innocence. And thank God when Adam became full of iniquity, God remained innocent. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. No take myself blame. God remained innocent. He remained in the place where he can harm nobody. He cannot harm anybody. Here was a woman caught in the very act of adultery in the presence of people that had scripture to prove the, the harm that, uh, that they would inflict on that woman. And then they stood in the presence of the almighty word of God. And that word of God was standing in the platform and operating from the platform of innocence, which is I cannot harm anybody. And what did he do to her? He spoke to her and said to her, Neither do I condemn you. That is the word of God. This word of God was manifested in physical form. He was on a mountain. And he was glorified um, and, and became full of light. And with him appeared Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. And then he said, Then uh, Peter in his wisdom, human wisdom, said, let us build a temple for, the, for Moses, which is the law, and we build a temple for Elijah, which is the prophets, and we build a temple for you, Jesus, then we can find everybody coming to this mountain and worship you. Isn't that a noble act? It's not lazy. The three of us will build a temple right now. We worship here in the temple. Then God spoke to Peter, the father, and said, This is my son, talking about Jesus. Hear him. He is my word. Neither the prophets nor the law. This is my final word about mankind. Jesus. Keep this word in your eyes. Keep this word in your ears. And let this word be the heart of your hearts from where what you believe about yourself is formed. And you will find that word. It will not be lost in language, lost in the old, uh, uh, you know, in the cross. It will not be lost in the resurrection. It will be found in your life. Glory to God. Now, the problem we see is that our hearts and the heart of, of man became full of iniquity. It became full of iniquity and iniquity needs to be purged from the heart. Now what is this iniquity? Um, iniquity is something that existed before the earth was. The first time we hear of some being that had iniquity, it was Satan. God said to Satan, you were perfect from the day I created you until iniquity was found in you. Now you might think, where did this iniquity come from? Now let me explain to you where that iniquity came from. And we can make a long story 
today by reading all the verses, but let me read some of them here. I'm going to first read 1 Timothy 3.6. It says, when you appoint, a, I think it's a deacon or an elder here, it says, he should not be a novice, lest being lifted up in pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. So the devil had a certain condemnation over him, or a certain force that destroyed him, and it was pride. And I'm going to explain what pride is, because you can feel so bad quickly, forget about that, you know. Some of us are Germans, you know, it's like, I don't know who, but some, yeah, some are French, it seems to me, <laughs> eating frogs. Well, anyway, so, um, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking here about what was in the heart of the devil that caused him to fall. It was pride. Now, what was this pride? How did this pride work? Let me read it here from um, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 31.10. So the Lord Jehovah said this, this was to the devil now, because you have lifted up yourself in height, and he has set his top amongst the thick branches, and his heart is lifted up in his height, I will cast him out. So what happened here is, and I don't have time to do all of this now, and many of you know this verse, when Satan is likened to a tree in the Garden of Eden, and he says you are higher than all the other trees because the water in the garden made you so great. And then you saw all this abundance of good things in your life. And he likens him to a businessman. And he says, it is like a businessman that has got a lot of trade and he does a lot of business. And then the business and the success in business went to his heart. And he found his identity in the success of what God accomplished in his life. And that is called iniquity. It's called iniquity. Like the word innocence means to be um, in the place where it's impossible to harm anybody or anything. Iniquity means to be flooded with violence. To be flooded with violence. And that violence is a very simple system. It is this. I am what I do. That simple system, I am what I do and I am what I possess, is the root of all death and all evil and all destruction. Everything starts there. Everything is the root of all of it. The simple belief. And what Satan did was, that was in his heart. He started to believe, and now listen to this, God made him perfect, God made him good, God made him like that, and then he took everything that God gave him, looked at the wonderful manifestation of good in him because of God, and then said, I am like God because of these good things. I've said it many times in this church, it's like Jesus when he was in the desert, tempted by the devil. He was said, uh, Satan came to him and said to him, if you are the son of God, look at the fruit of God in your life. You have the ability to take a stone and make it bread. Take the stone, make it a bread. And then the system of you are what you do, even if God gave you the power, will be implemented in your life and you will be the son of God based on the ability of the Son of God, and not God. Do you know why Jesus was the Son of God? Because He was. 
the father, he didn't have Joseph as father. But God. Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That means God, from God, created a sperm, supernaturally. By word, he spoke, created it. Mary became pregnant. And Jesus, which was with the Father from before time, was incarnated into human flesh and lived among us. He has got not, he cannot find his sonship based on any miracle he could do or even his supernatural birth. He couldn't find his sonship on that. The reason why he was the Son of God is because he was, and God says so. That's God's logic. So God has got a certain logic about you. God's logic about you is, your sins has been forgiven. I love you. You are my kind. I have placed you again through the last Adam in a place where you can have fellowship with me from the platform of innocence. Wherein your heart can be cleansed from all iniquity. The word iniquity in the Greek means to be void of the law. Now, we must realize it, it also means, and let me just read you uh, um, a further definition of it. Uh, let me just find it. It is de a deviation from rectitude. Rectitude means a sound principle or rightness of principle. So when you walk in iniquity, it means the principle that drives your life is wrong. That's what it means. The principle from where I live. In other words, if I come here this morning, and the principle from where my life is formed is the amount of people that sit here this morning. Then I can quickly make a calculation and say, well, you know, we've had this church for four years and we've got 40 people sitting here. Now I feel sad because we've only got 40 people here. Or I can use the very same principle and say, you know, um, last Sunday I put my, my, my message on the, on the internet and within the first day we had a thousand downloads. Wow. The principle has deviated from God's principle. And that is called iniquity. And iniquity is the father of all evil. So, if your principle is, I, I have, I am what I do, and I am what I have, the next thing that will be born from that is, what rules on what you must do to have. And we call that laws. And it sounds very noble, and it sounds very good, but inside it is the very, the, the, the very seed of the snake. That's why Jesus could say to the Pharisees, you snakes. Not because they were snakes. It's because the principle from where their life is formed is the very same principle that Satan had in the beginning, which is, I am what I do. It was born in them. Listen to this wonderful word. So you know what iniquity now is. Listen to this word. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us, from all iniquity. This is, uh, uh, um, I think it's First Timothy. Oh, sorry, it's Titus 2, 14. Who gave himself for us, this is Jesus, that he might redeem us from all forms of you are what you do. All forms. And when iniquity is purged from your heart, guess what happens next? 
all the legalism rules are purchased from your heart as well, which is translated in the Greek as the word, the, the word evil is used, which means to be full of labor or hard work. So, when you are in, in iniquity, I am what I do, the next thing that is part of your life is what we call the word evil, which means to be full of labor and annoyance. Paul read the, the, the Greek Bible, and, he said, and, and he, when he read, and the Bible said there, or the scripture said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the word evil there meant to be full of labor and hard work. Don't eat or believe in the message of have knowledge of all the right principles and work hard and you will have life. For that tree shall kill you. You know, if you really read into the Hebrew, I did a, a, a nice Hebrew and Greek study this, this, um, this week. You even find that when God said that you will cast Satan out of heaven, it basically says that he will let him go to what he wants. And so shall he be removed. So we don't sit with a God that wants to wring people's necks. But we sit with a God that will allow you to follow your heart. And he's not going to force himself down on you. And the end of that can even be destruction. So we need to know what God says about us. We need to hear what he says about us. Here it says in verse uh, uh, Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So you see what he says? He says let me get all iniquity out of them. So who takes, whose responsibility is it there to take iniquity from the heart? It is Jesus. He took the responsibility. Whose responsibility is it to bring forth a people that will be zealous for good works? Jesus. It's His responsibility. Not yours, His. That's what it says. I will do that. Now how will He do it? Let's read Proverbs 16.6. It says, By mercy and truth Iniquity is purged from the heart. And by the fear of the Lord or respect for God, men depart from evil. The Amplified says, By mercy and love, truth and faithfulness, God's faithfulness towards us, iniquity is purged from the heart. And by the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord, men depart from and avoid evil. You see, one thing we, we must realize, and as I was writing the book, I, was, I, I realized that, and I was thinking when I was in Malawi, when I was preaching Malawi, and there was this moonrise over the lake, and it was so beautiful, and um, I stayed at this, like a lodge, and I was sitting there and I saw this moon, it, it was really so beautiful, I've never seen something like that all my life, so I ran to the bar, and I called the people that were sitting in the bar, I said, you guys must come and see this, so they came out, I think about five, five or eight of them, and the one lady there, high in marijuana, she was saying, oh, that's wicked, man. Really wicked. That's wicked. And I thought, she's crazy. Is she some kind of a witch or something? You know? And then I realized that was her language for extraordinary beautiful. <laughs> it's the word wicked. That's wicked. Now we, through now imagine we lose the word beautiful to the word wicked in 30 years. Now what could have been lost in 6,000 years 
from the beginning are definitions of words. When God spoke about iniquity, He was not, we see iniquity as you're a bad sinner. But that's not what the original language say. I like to watch some philosophy sometimes, you know, on YouTube. You get all these guys, the man met die dik brille en die groot breine, you know. And they have all got all their discussions and philosophies and stuff. I like to watch that every now and then. So then they were talking about what does a word really mean? Does a word have a meaning? Or does the word mean what people think it means? Now, you, you know, you can have at Harvard University, you can have a debate on that for four days. It's not just, man, it, the word has got to mean. No, there's certain debates. Because if I say wicked, I mean wicked, that word does have meaning according to what she thinks it means. But what is the meaning of the word wicked? The word wicked can only have its meaning in what the person originally that wrote it said about it. And we need to go back and see what did these people originally mean. When God thought of iniquity, he thought of this person believes, and this is the definition of iniquity, he believes that he finds his life in the fruit that I produce in his life. That's iniquity. And from there, all death flows. Because all of a sudden, you're not believing in God anymore, you're believing in yourself. And from there, we find normal legalism in churches, we find the Muslim faith, we find atheism, we find everything is, I actually believe in my ability to obey the commands of a God. That's where it comes from. And destroys mankind. Yesterday we listened uh, to radio, obviously you know it's just Nelson Mandela on every station 24-7. So um, we listened to, and now Nelson Mandela was a good guy. And here, <laughs> they come and they say all the good is done. And then they come and they say, but he has not done enough. He should have done this in Africa, and he should have done that, and he should have done that. And I think to myself, by law, you can never measure up. You can never be good enough. When is good enough now good enough? The only time when good enough can be good enough is if the best person, bad English, if the goodest person can give his goodness and write it behind your name, that's when you'll be good enough. And we quickly say, Adam could write his sin behind my name and I put a tick there, amen. But why can't we say that God could write his holiness behind my name and I put even a bigger amen? amen. Yeah. We can easily say Adam sinned for us, therefore we are sinners. But why can't we say, as Paul said in Romans 5.19, that as Jesus obeyed, we were made righteous. We believe more in Adam than in Jesus sometimes. So here it clearly says that Jesus Christ came to redeem us from iniquity by mercy and truth. So, the only thing, and this is what I want to say in today's service, the only thing that can ever cleanse your heart from iniquity, from the belief system that you are what you do, is by God being merciful to you. Mercy means to treat you better than what you deserve. What that means is to contradict the law you believe in. Which is... When you deserve, according to your iniquity, to be punished, to be treated well. That's how iniquity is purged. Because it is something that 
pushes you into a direction where you have to say, but there is also another form of life. There is also something like mercy. It's, it's, uh, uh, this touches me now because like the woman caught in the very act of adultery. There she was caught in the very act. What does the principle say? The principle says, the wicked principle says, well, she is what she's done and she's committed a sin. That means she is as good as dead. So we can, death is manifesting in her, so let's kill her. But what does Jesus do? He contradicts that law by mercy. And what does he do? He does not condemn her. Now there's a whole teaching on why he doesn't condemn her. But he does not condemn her. And what happens to the heart of the woman? Her heart, her very belief in the presence of death is so impacted with something completely different that the iniquity that even caused prostitution in her life or fornication in her life was so purged, her wrong belief was so purged, that Jesus could boldly say, knowing his word shall not return void, go and sin no more. Amen. It was not, well, I give you a second chance, you know. No, no, no. What it was actually saying is, this word of go and sin no more is a continuation of the purging of your wrong belief about yourself. Amen. Jere, die evangelie is goed. The gospel is good. By mercy, by mercy, the heart. So can you allow God to be merciful to you? That's the big question. Peter struggled to have God be merciful to him. Jesus came and he took a towel, girded himself went down on his knees and he started to wash his disciples' feet. In today's terms, to wash somebody's car. Okay? Washing my feet means nothing to me. When I come from Zambia, you know, when I went to Zambia now, and I went through, the, through that mud, but it's not just mud, it's mud, and the cows walk there, it's cow dung, and it's everything on my car, and it, it's a kind of a clay, so it is it's stuck there, you hammer you know, it's, it's like, I can't, I tell you, you put water on it, and it takes you hours to get that mud off, and then the people came there, the pastor of the eight churches came there, he says, he says I see your car's dirty, and he came with some of his deacons, and they washed that cow dung mud out of that car, I felt served. That is what Jesus did with we are now with Nelson Mandela now. Imagine Nelson Mandela comes to your house and washes your dirty old Reynold. You know? What and files, you don't even wash the thing. But he comes and washes it, and then you think you see he's old and he's tired, and he takes the polish and he starts to polish your car. What will it do to your heart? Hmm? It will purge iniquity from your heart because you would, our belief is the higher you up, the more you must be served. That's iniquity. It's a wrong belief. But he comes and he will purge it from your heart by serving you. Now, somebody much greater, a much greater hero than Nelson Mandela, and that will be very difficult for some people to believe, Jesus Christ came and served mankind. 
He washed his disciples' feet. Then Peter said, well, you're not going to be merciful to me. I'll wash your feet. Then Jesus said, and this is what he was actually saying, if I cannot serve you, and I put in my own words, and so purge your heart from iniquity, you'll never know what it feels like to live from innocence. Amen. Amen. A place where you cannot harm somebody. The only way in which you can have quality of life is by allowing Jesus to be merciful to you. When you've done something that you think is wrong according to your law, to see Him treat you contrary to the punishment you expect, and so allow Him to purge your heart from iniquity. It says, by iniquity and truth. Now let's end off with truth. What is truth? <clears throat> now you can also go onto some of those Harvard students' websites and see how they don't know what truth is. Jesus Christ came and He declared Himself to be the truth. <laughs> the truth of what? The truth about who God is and the truth about who man is. Amen. Jesus is the truth about your life. His innocence portrays your innocence. His stand portrays your stand. His being portrays your being. He is the word about your life when we can see that word as the truth, when we can see the truth about who we really are in the atmosphere where it contradicts our legalistic belief about ourselves, we will find by that power iniquity will be purged from our wrong belief and that virus will be taken out of you and you will find that you can have a life born from what God believes. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So what do we do? Where do we stand? And I know this, is, this, this teaching can be very complicated and technical and whatever, but what stands, what must we do? Father, I don't want any iniquity in my heart. Because iniquity brings forth what is evil, brings forth sins, brings forth death, and I'm tortured by this wrong belief in my heart. Allow God to be merciful to you. Allow God. Now, I want to explain mercy in this in, in this point. No, I see, I see somebody. You know, we were talking about. I was looking on the internet, and you get this person. They love the message of grace, and you know, you see that the lifestyle is a lifestyle of drunkenness and whatever. Now, the only reason why it continues into that is because they don't allow God to be merciful to them. They would say that this life of drunkenness or this life of sexual immorality as a Christian is quite okay because I'm under the mercy of God. Yes, you are under the mercy of God, but because you don't allow God to be merciful to you, we are seeing the fruit of iniquity in your life. Allow God to be merciful to you. How is God merciful? God is merciful by saying the following, you don't have to produce the good works, I'll produce it in you. Where iniquity says, you will produce the good works by your willpower, but mercy says, I allow God to produce the good work. And here is my body, here is my members, as an instrument for you to bring forth your work. They don't allow God to be merciful to them. That's why they see that life. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell if you drink too much brandy, but what I'm going to say is, you're going to, hell, going to have a hell of a life being drunk all the time. 
And it can even come to the point where you say, well, God's goodness doesn't even work, and even reject God. So it can have eternal consequences, but God's God gaan nou nie wip, omdat jy iets verkeerd gedoen het. Ek weet nie om dit nou in Engels te sê. God gaan nou nie wip. When you have lost your innocence, he remained innocent. The, the, the ability not to harm, to be good. And the most wonderful thing is, when we allow God's mercy towards us, because He's showing it every day, when we say, I allow Him to speak good of me, when you've lost your temper again, when you've been frustrated again, <coughs> when you've done that thing that you've promised yourself never to do again, and in the presence of all that failure, can just go and sit down, and hear how God starts His eloquent speech oh, of acceptance towards you. Because that's how iniquity will be purged from your heart. Glory to God. We don't wait for God to be gracious to us. The Bible says, by faith, we have access into this grace wherein we stand. Everybody's in grace. But there are people that hear this and say, Father, I'm persuaded of this, and then they are born from that grace. Mm -hmm. But grace is available for every human. Glory, not just the church, everybody. We call the church the people that are making use of this grace wherein everybody stands. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Father, I want to thank you so much for this wonderful word. And as I preach it, I just, <clears throat> Father, I realize the absolute um, truth. And just this, net die ernst van hierdie woord, tref my Heere. The truth of how we function and live from our hearts. As beautiful as what the Ten Commandments is, in what it stands for, should we want to live by it and be defined by how we keep it? The measure in, we do, in which we do that would be the measure in which we walk in iniquity and how our hearts are flooded with iniquity, Father. And Lord, I thank you so much that you give us an enlightened mind like the writer of the book of Hebrews said that we by reason of use can have our senses exercised to know what is good and what is legalistic law that can flood our hearts with death. Father, we are making our hearts available for your reprogramming. And thank you that the programmer doesn't come to destroy the heart, but to reprogram the heart with mercy. Mercy. Father, I know you are merciful, but just by way of speaking, if you want to be merciful to anybody, if you want to treat anybody better than what he ever deserves by his own works, here am I. 
here am I. Make your mercy known in my body, in my life, in my family, and in, in everything I possess, in where I travel, through your favor. Lord, wherever I do something wrong, I expect you to be good to me. I expect you to treat me with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. When I am stingy, I expect you to bless me. When I am giving in abundance, I expect you to just be yourself all the time. I expect you, Father, never to treat me according to my works. I open my life for your mercy. Be merciful to me every day. And Lord, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. So we cannot wear it out. It's fresh again in the morning. Thank you, Lord. It's brand new. We know it is there. Thank you, Lord, that you never bear a grudge. Thank you, Father. I make my body and my mind available. And I pray this is the prayer of every person here. Make my mind and my body available for the absolute revelation of the full dimensions of your truth, of how innocent, how holy, and how righteous we are because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You didn't come to fool around with sin. You removed it forever. It's out of the equation. And you brought us to a place where, like Derek said this morning, we can boldly go to the throne room of grace, where we can stand under the very influence and innocence of God, revealing His innocence in us by His resurrection power, confirming us by bringing forth fruit. Thank you, Father. You are an awesome God. Amen and amen.